you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And certainly happy Christmas Eve to all of you out there in podcast land. And thank you for spending a bit of your Christmas Eve or possibly even Christmas Day or wherever or whenever you happen to be listening to this show. Thank you so much for giving me just a bit of your time. And on today's program, I want to talk a little bit about the history of bowls, very specifically the word bowl. Have you ever wondered why these games are called bowls? Because I had never really thought about that until just this morning. For whatever reason, I had taken taken that for granted for my entire life. So I did a bit of a Google deep dive, and I have answers for you. Also, I want to talk about the Porter Boys in the NBA. That season is underway. I want to talk about MPJ and Jonte. Also notice some funny social distancing phenomenons at the Missouri-Bradley basketball game I want to talk about too. But you know what? Let's start with Tiger football. Specifically, I want to talk about the latest article from Peter Ball at The Athletic. I tell you, I think the strongest work that Peter does, in my opinion, is these is what he calls the exit interviews. Back in March of this year, because he did a good one with Christian Holmes that revealed quite a bit, I thought. You know, it's it's a good time to get these guys for an in-depth interview. It's a good it's a good running theme because, well, these exit interviews, these guys are no longer a part of the program. They're no longer forced to go through the media relations people or be really held accountable for anything they say by the university. So you get them at their most honest. And, well, Peter's latest piece was with Larry Borum, the recently departed right tackle. He's heading off to the NFL, skipping his senior season, which, frankly, while Eli Drinkwitz was definitely supportive of that decision publicly, it was pretty obvious that took him by a bit of surprise, too. And certainly, in his interview, and you should definitely read the whole thing at theathletic.com, but definitely in this interview, Larry Borum showed nothing but love for Eli Drinkwitz, for Missouri, for his teammates, in fact, when asked about some maybe some teammates in the future that, that Larry thinks are going to pop off in the future, well, he specifically mentioned one of his fellow tackles, Javon Foster, and also a linebacker, Devin Nicholson, as guys he thinks will definitely emerge as soon as next season. But when asked about why now, why would he leave the team now instead of staying through the bowl game, well, basically his answer was quite simple. He misses his family. It's been a long season. It's been a isolated season in a lot of ways, but really he just really wanted to be able to see his family for a semi-extended period of time before he basically has to put his nose to the grindstone and prepare for the NFL draft because guess what? He's not going to have a lot of time for family leading up to the combine, the draft, and all that good stuff as well. But interestingly, Borum also mentioned that there's no guarantee of anything next year as well. So in his mind, he's not even sure that there's going to be a football season this coming year. Now, that may seem hard for some of you to believe, but frankly, back in March, if you'd have told me that this whole 
social distancing and the mass and everything, that that would still be going on in December if you'd have told me that nine, ten months ago. Well, I'd have probably found that hard to believe, too. So who knows where all of this is heading, especially if you're a young man like Larry Borum, you're 20-some-odd years old. I mean, obviously, none of us can predict the future, but based on everything that's happening around him, why would he think that next season is guaranteed? So I just thought that that was an interesting insight into his mentality. And, of course, another man who will not be suiting up for the bowl game is linebacker Nick Bolton, but... The good news is Nick was voted by the Associated Press a first-team All-SEC player, and that means two years in a row Nick is an All-SEC player, first-team by the AP, and the first guy who's been a two-time winner at either the Big 12 or SEC since EJ Gaines, who was first-team All-Big 12 in 2011 and also first-team All-SEC in 2013. So EJ Gaines has that little feather in his cap. So again, EJ Gaines, Nick Bolton, those are two just two of the guys from the last 20 years, along with Michael Agnew, Jeff Wolfert, Sean Weatherspoon, Jeremy Macklin, Chase Kaufman, Justin Gage, and Justin Smith. Those are the only guys who have been two-time first-team in their conference. So that's a heck of a list for Nick Bolton to be added to. And one thing that I noticed from that list of guys that I just named off, I believe nine names, possibly 10. Let me count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Boy, that was good podcasting. So of those nine guys, I noticed with the only exception being Jeff Wolford, all of them are either from Missouri or Texas. And Jeff Wolford is kind of close enough, right? Overland Park, Kansas, Kansas City area. Come on, that's basically Missouri. That's basically like East St. Louis. We'll we'll just count that one. So interesting that all of the truly the cream of the crop players, pretty much all of them, either Missouri or Texas the last 20 years. By the way, I reported on my previous show that wide receiver Boo Smith Former walk-on, now is on scholarship. Well, apparently, Missouri is also giving a scholarship to kickoff specialist from Rockbridge High School, Sean Ketting, who was, who was rather good at his job this season. Obviously, if you were paying attention closely, you're well aware of that. And also, safety Mason Pack getting a scholarship as well. So I'm really particularly happy for Sean Ketting. I know... It's cool to see a local kid from Columbia who apparently, from what I understand, grew up a big Mizzou fan. His his parents are big Mizzou fans, all that good stuff. So that's a fun story for sure. And you know, as much fun as the Christmas and holiday season can be, it's a heck of a lot of work too. So when your friends and your family, and especially your in-laws, let's be honest, they're starting to drive you a little bit insane, well, at a certain point you need to relax and hit the reset button to get ready for what's next in your life. And what better way to do it than with Coors Light? Because truly, there is only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. This beer is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. So you know what? It fits in perfectly with this chilly weather we're having right at this moment. Just know that Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset... Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, 
Golden, Colorado. And you know what? If you haven't been paying attention, Missouri opened a 14-point underdog against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Well, that's now up to 15 points. And if you think that's too much, well, you need to go check out my friends at betonline.ag because they have quite the deal for our Locked On listeners. You can sign up today at betonline.ag for a free account and use the promo code Locked On for a 50%. Yes, that's right. 5-0, 50% welcome bonus anytime you deposit money. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And I tell you, speaking of betting, our guy Lee Sterling over at Locked On Bets has been pretty hot lately. Check him out. I'm definitely going with him, giving the points with the Miami Heat on Christmas Day. Lee really is red heart, red hot to start this season, and he shares a lock of the day on every episode. So subscribe to Locked On Bets today, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, obviously, I was quite relieved that Missouri escaped with a one-point victory over Bradley just a couple days ago. But you know what? I have some non-basketball thoughts from that game as well. And they both have to do with social distancing. Well, for one thing, obviously, the goal is, for the most part, to keep the fans away from the court. They've gotten rid of courtside seats. They've pushed the bleachers back. You know, they've done a nice job of keeping the masses away from the basketball players. But one thing that I found a little bit amusing is while they have these socially distant benches now where guys are sitting six six plus feet apart on the sidelines, well, that's what's happening when the ball's in play. But for whatever reason, when a timeout is called, I noticed this at the end of the game, well, then suddenly all the guys huddle up and start sitting next to each other like they always have. Now, I don't really have a criticism here, but let's just say that maybe that socially distant bench is maybe a little bit more theater than it is science. And then, of course, as my dad and I are watching this game together, we are literally isolated in a section by ourselves. It is just him is just him and me. That's it. We're the only two people in our entire section. Well, we would occasionally hoist a beverage toward our mouths. And, well, you know what? When we've attended six football games this season, one other basketball game, and we were told that when you're eating or drinking, you can leave your mask down. But apparently now you need to do it between every single sip or bite. Okay, fine and dandy. We'll, we'll adjust to that. But it was just kind of, I had to love the passive-aggressive manner in which the usher told my dad that, yes, indeed, he did need to lift his mask between every sip of beer. She said, yes, unfortunately, our mouths are connected to our lungs. Our, our mouths and noses are connected to our lungs. And that was just a little bit much for me. So I had to say, yes. That is truly unfortunate and is in the most passive-aggressive way I possibly could. So, Mizzou fans out there, just know, between sips now, get the mask up. And speaking of basketball, even though technically this is really, really late for the NBA season to get underway, doesn't it feel incredibly early at the same time? Because, yes, the NBA draft just happened, what, 
a month ago or something, and now we're, we're suddenly playing basketball. This whole 2020 calendar just has left me thoroughly discombobulated. But you know what? Michael Porter Jr. didn't look discombobulated in the first game, did he? 21, 24 points, excuse me. I don't want to shortchange the guy. 24 points in his debut for this season. And I tell you, he's one of the most important players in the entire league this season. I promise you. If he's as good as we think he can be, and if he can improve defensively, especially keep him out on the court longer in, in different situations where he's being picked on, maybe in pick and rolls, when we saw that in the playoffs last year, I'm telling you, if he's as good as we think he can be, Denver can possibly win the championship. But if he's not, if he's not up to snuff, if he gets injured again, well, guess what? They have no chance. Then on the other hand, you have Jonte Porter, who was inactive for the first game for Memphis, and he didn't play in the preseason either. So you're looking at a kid who's still working back from, from his knee injury, quite clearly. So it makes a lot of sense that Memphis is being conservative with Jonte when it comes to his injuries. And, you know, actually Memphis has a pretty good reputation when it comes to handling this type of thing. So hopefully Jonte ended up in a good spot. I will say again, for you or for those of you who are getting bored with this NBA heavy segment, I promise to move on quickly. But you probably remember Murray State guard Ja Morant from a year or two ago in the NCAA tournament. He was probably the star of the show along with Zion Williamson. Well, I'm telling you, that kid is a superstar. He scored 44 points in his opener. And if Jonte ever gets out here, you know, talk about a perfect kind of possibly a five-man, certainly a four-man to pair with Ja Moran, a guy setting high ball screens. Because Jonte, can, we know he can step out and shoot the three. So you, for a guy who can penetrate like Morant, I actually think Jonte's a really nice fit with him if he can somehow get his knees under control. And now I'd like to rather quickly just tease once again my bowl history little rant I'm about to go on and also maybe just look a little bit inward on this Christmas season and try to explain why I'm still so into college basketball and football after all these years. But first, these quick messages. Looking for a Sunday pregame show that talks about every game and every team in depth? Check out Locked On NFL Sunday Show live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. That's 10 Central for those of you in Missouri. No sketches, no celebrity cameos, no fluff, just football every Sunday morning with hosts Chris Rourke and Ross Jackson. Follow and subscribe to Locked On Live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and don't forget your turn to turn on notifications to know to be notified when the show goes live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central. So originally, when I was wondering why bowls game why bowl games are indeed called bowls, well, I thought, gee, did the first recipients of a trophy did they get bowl trophies? I, I have absolutely no idea. Well, it turns out. The reason they're all called bowls is simply because of architecture. In fact, the Yale Bowl was opened in 1914 with a 70,000-person capacity, by the way. Yes, Yale was a football power, kids, back in the day. And let's just say that 
even reduced to today's 61,000. The Yale Bowl is cavernous for how many people usually show up at those games. But the point is, if you think about, if you've ever seen the Rose Bowl, now you see the Rose Bowl was open in 1922 in Pasadena, California. But the reason they called it the Rose Bowl is because, well, it had a similar architectural structure to the Yale Bowl, which was essentially just a an oval that is almost perfectly symmetrical in, in both ways. It's just a whole bunch of bleachers that encircle each other. That's essentially what the Yale Bowl is, and that's essentially what the Rose Bowl became in 1922. And by the way, both of those venues are open to this day. So eventually that just became just the shorthand for these special end of season, often January 1st, exhibition games that happened between foes from a different conference. That just became what bowls, that just became what these games were called, bowls. So there you go. There's your history lesson on bowls. And now as to why I keep coming back for more. Why does a, I'm 37, I'm about to be 38 here, pretty soon into 2021. And you know what? I'm still just about as passionate about this Missouri basketball team and the Missouri football team as I've ever been. And you know what? I've changed in so many ways since I first started following these teams when I I was about seven years old. My first real conscious memories of being a Mizzou fan, probably the season where, unfortunately, Missouri basketball lost to Northern Iowa in the first round. That is that season is definitely my first memory and really because Missouri was at its absolute height in terms of a basketball program when college basketball itself the sport was also at its very height because I grew up in that era I think I'm always going to be chasing that dragon for the rest of my life just trying to get back to the absolute height of what college basketball was back then. I'm not sure if the sport is ever going to reach those heights again, and who knows if Missouri ever will again, quite honestly. And, you know, quite honestly, when it comes to football, while I rooted for the Tigers, heck, I got made fun of as a child for being a Missouri Tiger football fan at times. That's how bad it was. I lived in Ashland, by the way. I didn't live in Lawrence, Kansas. So the fact that the locals were giving you crap about Tiger football, that shows how far it had gone. And really, I think I became truly a big-time diehard Mizzou football fan in 97. That's when it truly happened, when Missouri lost to Nebraska on that stupid flea kicker thing. That I was truly heartbroken by that game, and that's when the quality of emotion for me, it truly kicked in. I was hooked. I've been hooked ever since, and again, I think I'm just going to be chasing that dragon every single week, just trying to trying to get the joy of, of victory, the agony of defeat, whatever it is. Apparently, my inner child loves every second of it. I think that's the thing about these sports and watching these young men go through this experience every single fall, every winter, every spring. I think that's it. It's just my inner child. It, that's what it is. It makes me feel young again because I can just abandon all reason, 
all all logic and just throw everything all of my emotions into this team. I think that's it. I think I've figured it out. So hopefully you've enjoyed this diversion, this bit of a journey that we've gone on here on Christmas Eve. And well, once again, thank you for listening as always and have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, all that good stuff from me, John Miller, right here at Locked on Missouri.